Today's episode is brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode number 90. It is the third week of December 2021. And if you have not procured all of your Christmas gifts. What are we doing? Let's go. It's the 15th. We have 10 more days. Let's do this. I, of course, am on that list of people who needs to do such things. Uh, I'm notoriously bad about this, but it is the 15th, so it's time to get at it. And one of the things you can still do is order your original Fast Brackets Nation t-shirt. I will get it out to you. Just send the message as soon as you hear this. Say, I want the OG version for myself or for someone I love, and I will get that out. Um, But uh, yeah, that's Christmas coming, and uh, do your part. Uh, Be be a part of the economy. Man, good stuff. Uh, PRI was last week, and I want to say a special thank you to all our friends at Ultimate Awning for letting us do the live show there. It was fantastic. I hope you loved hearing everyone that came on the show as much as I did. I thought uh, that was that was really pretty fantastic. In terms of PRI, I will say this. The, the turnout was a little smaller than usual. I think, I mean, this is a rough estimate. My guess is 80 to 85% of the turnout and manufacturers boosts were there. Uh, but that was a good thing, in my opinion. I, uh, In some ways, PRI had been a little bit too big, a little shoulder-to-shoulder um, for my liking, and I, I didn't appreciate that. But this year was fantastic. Um, and I'll say this. Although the turnout was a little smaller than normal, one of the bigger things that happened was the PRI organization unveiled the pact that they have developed, which is a political action committee. 
in order to lobby for motorsports in general. And this is so important for motorsports to have, in drag racing in particular to have, because the EPA, the tree huggers out there, they try to kill us with a thousand paper cuts, right? They try to bleed us to death one by one, a little bit at a time. And really what we need to do is speak in factual language to them. They don't understand or don't want to understand the facts of the matter, which are there are much bigger fish to fry out there than the pollution that our sport causes. And it, it's so accurate that we just don't really contribute. It's a rounding error, to be honest. So I'm so happy that Dr. Jamie Meyer and the PRI created the Political Action Committee in order to defend our honor and to really help us in that political uh, space so that we can continue the sport that we love. Uh, that said, uh, I am excited to have on a couple great guests for you today. First of all, Jared Sessler. Uh, he is a candidate for U.S. Congress in the state of Washington. He's really a true American in the in the entire shape of that word. So I'm excited to have him on. He's going to show you or talk to you about what it is that he's doing in order to help our sport. And, you know, that kind of continues that PRI pack thought as well. But he is taking up the fight. So I, I can't wait for you to hear him and everything that he has to say and what he's doing, he's actually doing to help our sport from a legal standpoint. Also, J.R. Snow from J.R.'s RV Repair. He's going to come on and help us with our winter to-do list on these rigs so that we do not have issues rolling and racing in this summer. Um, so guys, girls, get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute, clean the shop, work on that old heap, but metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get them hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. And I could not be more excited. You heard me on the live show last week introduce a new sponsor, a new endeavor that I have, and I'm so excited about it. Winlight Bets. Winlight Bets is going to be ultimately huge for our sport. I liken it to nitromethane for our sport and what it will do in terms of adding excitement. Drag racing is, of course, tailor-made for betting, and the industry of betting, of gambling, is growing every day. And for whatever reason, we have not embraced it on a legal scale. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to bring the betting that goes along with drag racing in into the legal platform and onto your mobile app, just like you do DraftKings, FanDuel, etc. Um, what I'm most excited about is this. Drag racing is being left behind other sports in terms of the dollars that can be invested in the fan experience when the gaming dollars come aboard. What I mean by that is because everyone can bet on the NFL, there are more dollars being invested on how the fan can interact with the team and it's a better visual experience. It's a better it's reason why you go to an NFL stadium 
and it is all brand new leather seats and huge big screens and and the experience is just better um and so we need that as our sport so that we stop watching tag on tv and we watch more drag racing and it it just is a better experience for new people that come into the sport along with all of us that are already in it um i will say this so there's been uh, several beta test nights the latest was at the home of el mero mero Craig Sullivan and his pro mod, you've heard him on the show before. You know about him. The Wednesday before PRI, we had uh, he Craig had an open house, and he allowed us to do another test night there. And we just keep making the app better and better. And so so excited about that. And the, the future of the sport really depends on two things. One, new money coming in and the, the political action stuff that we do in order to defend against the EPA. So this is one part of it. The other part of it is what PRI and our next guest are going to talk about. Um, and frankly, though, this is the next best way to get eyeballs and dollars into our sport, the ancillary betting community. So certainly new classes like factory experimental and no prep kings format type stuff are gaining popularity and fans, but ultimately the dollars have to turn for this to continue to work. So it's exciting times. It's really exciting times. So if you're listening to this and you want to be in on the cutting edge, even if you don't bet, if you just want to understand what's happening new, then go to the Facebook page and follow the Winlight Bets page. You can be on the ground floor of what is happening from this standpoint, from a legal standpoint, and what all that means for our sport, which is fantastic stuff uh we'll certainly talk more about winlight bets at a later date but uh we want to thank that action for coming on and i'm excited to bring that to you first all right let's put this thing in the beams presented by afco racing products on with us now and we're going to change it up just a little bit typically you know this section you know it as the driver interview section. We put this thing in the beams. We're changing it up just a little bit, and we're going to bring on a guy who is driving our whole industry on with us now, or at least is attempting to, and we appreciate that for him. Uh, on with us now is Jared Sessler. He's a candidate for the U.S. Congress, and he is a guy who is in our corner. Welcome to the show, Jared. How are you, my man? Good. Thanks, Rex. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, it, uh, you are changing it up, and we appreciate that. And you're changing it up in a couple ways. One, on the show, but two, in Congress. Because we do not have, or at least potentially you will be, and we do not have a lot of guys that are in our corner that want to keep drag racing and um, all actually all forms of motorsports going. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that don't want this to continue and uh, we need all the guys like yourself in our corner that we can get. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a big thread at our necks and uh, people need to realize it. And uh, I'll say there'll, there'll never be, or at least there never has been an advocate like Jared Sessler in Congress or, or will be in Congress for, for this industry and to support it and fight for it and defend it. You know, this is not uh, this is not just a sport for us. This is a, is a lifestyle and it's, it's, you know, how I raise my boys and it's just a huge part of our life. And so, 
you know, I think the left would like us to just stay home and stare at our phones. But the reality is we're, you know, we're the people that are getting out there and doing stuff and, and it needs to be protected. I, I love it. I think you're absolutely right. And just go ahead and say it, say in Congress, because we know that's going to happen. So just we'll just say it in Congress. But uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, let's go back. Well, though. everybody listening here has the opportunity to help me with that for sure. Yeah, I, we love it. And that's exactly why we had you on. But let's let's go back a little bit. Talk to us about your racing background. Yeah, so I, I told my mom I wanted to be a race car driver when I was four years old, and uh, I didn't get the opportunity to do it. I grew up in a really broken home with five stepfathers and was abused as a kid. And eventually, uh, in my early 20s, I, I uh, made it through the military and, and uh, went to college, Got ended up getting two engineering degrees. And, and uh, you know, one of the first things I did as a successful adult was, um, you know, go out and buy myself a race car. So uh, I put it, you know, put it together and gra- gathered some buddies around and we started going to tracks and racing and had no idea what we were doing and we figured it out and, and eventually, uh, got pretty fast and, and had some fun with it. So, um, it, you know, obviously I stepped out of the driver's seat, although my, my boys still try to get me in and, and do register me for a race here or there. Uh, every year just so they can show me how much better they are but uh, you know they're uh <laughs> of 15 and 20 now and they grew up you know they started racing when they were four so i i uh i wear the headset uh on the fence uh for for the last uh, 20 years but uh you know prior to that i really enjoyed you know being in the seat yeah of course right and that's exactly what uh boys do we're like hey dad uh, check this out you know it's it's my turn in the seat Exactly, and I think they like nothing more than to beat me. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so you've got this uh, racing, racing passion, and and unlike a lot of us, I mean, a lot of us, our dads, uh, you know, either showed us the ropes or encouraged us into racing, and you you had it internally, um, and then and then you gave that to your boys, which is um, which is fantastic. We we love all that stuff. Um, and I just happened, you know, we met, um, at PRI, I was uh, excited mm-hmm. to do that. And, and that's why I wanted to bring you on because what we need to do, I think as a racing community is, is rally a little bit, right? The, uh, quote unquote yeah. tree huggers are pretty organized. Uh, but I don't know that we are. Yeah, we're definitely not as organized. The other thing is, is the, the people on the right tend to be, tend to be more, uh, ethical. And so we tend to pick at all the little things instead of just focusing on, you know, the one big item and realizing that we're going to leave a wake, just like a boat going through the water leaves a wake. And, and the left is really good at just, you know, grabbing onto the one big thing they want and making a complete disaster behind them. That's why (laughs) politically I call them the demolition party. And so, yeah, it's, it's important for us to stand together. And I think it's, it's important to, I know, I'm not a politician. I've been in business for over 20 years. I, I've never ran for public office, but you know, the way our country is designed by our framers is for regular people like you and I to be able to go and help lead the country. And that's exactly what, what I'm trying to do, but it's important for people in our industry who know, who care about any kind of power sports that they understand the threat that's at our neck and what we're talking about, because I think a lot of people might think, or they might just tune this out because, oh, this is just politics and, I don't want to listen to that. I'm not really into that, but just hold on a second. You know, 
I mean, I was, I was just talking with John force about this at, at PRI and the issue is very simple uh, right now. You know, we have an, an EPA, which I won't go into details about that, but it's administrative state. Their, their decisions do not go through Congress. And so we, we essentially have a board of advisors who's making decisions about what we are going to be able to do and not be able to do uh, in, in the racing industry. And right now they're saying that we cannot make or modify, we can't make parts to modify a vehicle that has intended for, for road use or modify a vehicle that's ever had a VIN number. And that, that's what they're trying to do. Now, that may not affect you. You may not race spec Miata or, you know, what other, you know, other, uh, uh, you know, there's lots of uh, local short track races that would be, in fact, affected by that, even mini stocks. And, I mean, there's just a lot of different arenas that would be affected by that. But the, but the reality is, uh, you know, a lot of drifters, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of modifications to the newer cars, but the reality is this is just the first thing. This is the first thing to drive right. that they're, they're going to try to prevent and try to limit. And so we're going to be a lot better rather than just saying, Hey, you know, well, that just took out two or 3% of our compadres in this industry, but you know, we're just going to sit back and not do anything. Cause I'm a drag racer and it doesn't affect me or I'm a NASCAR driver. Or I'm a, you know, IMSA driver or, you know, related to that industry because they're coming after all of us. And yep. that's the thing we have to realize. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And to your point, the NHRA just changed the uh, roll cage rule. So what it says is any newer car built after 2014 can go um, no quicker than nine seconds flat without a roll cage. So what what this rule would ultimately do by the EPA is just, um, you know, eliminate that rule essentially because any uh, there's no factory car going faster than that or up to that speed. So if you want to make your car faster, then the EPA would outlaw that. And and many yeah. of our drag cars came with VIN numbers. I mean, so they they could essentially wipe out ninety percent of drag racing um, if that rule goes through, which is an incredibly scary thought. And and your whole point about uh, the administration making rules unilaterally is kind of what we saw, um, you know, with this whole COVID stuff. I mean, we, we saw that whole thing where, you know, the medical community was just making rules for the whole world or at least the whole country without it going through Congress. And, and that is a scary, scary thought for me. And I think it should be for all of us. Yeah, it's very scary, regardless of where you land on the whole the whole COVID thing altogether. You know, the idea that we've got, you know, like with the Great Barrington Project, as most people have probably heard about that, you've got over 50,000 doctors and, and medical professionals who have, who have signed an agreement saying uh, that the treatment protocol that, that has been pushed is not, is not the best. And it, regardless of what the, what the answers are one way or the other, we're not going to get into that, but uh, you have to really ask yourself, where are we at when our government is actively shutting down doctors who are risking their careers, everything to stand up and say, you know, just raise their hand and say, you know, this is not right. And, and to actually create an organization and stand together and say, you know, this is not right. That, that really has to cause you to pause for a second. And just back to this, this rule with the, with the EPA, it's, it's active. The question is, is how they're going to enforce it. 
you know, they could come out hard here in the next few months or they could, it could just lingle linger for a few years. We don't know, but they've already written it and released it. And, and, um, you know, they've already find uh, some shops, as we know, and they're they're sort of trolling and monitoring to see what they want to do next. Yeah, that is scary. And longtime listeners of the show will know that uh, while I'm personally uh, a strong libertarian, so I don't I don't get left. You know, I I try not to get involved with left and right. What I do mm-hmm. do is this, which is um, I want the government out of our business for the most part. And, exactly. and f- from that standpoint, then it typically means that I lean right because uh, from a you know from a I think a theoretical stance that most of uh, us would lean right just because that's the world we live in. We live in numbers and facts and less feelings and things of that nature. But, uh, but so, you know, from that standpoint, you're right. Um, the, the right side or the Republicans seem to favor our sport much more than, uh, the folks on the left. And is that why, I mean, that's part of why I believe you're running as a Republican. Is that correct? That's correct, for sure. Yeah, and you just look at the demographic of the two. Uh, I, I tend to think more, uh, you know, conservative or otherwise. And you know, the the demographic tends to be the closer you get to bigger cities, uh, the the more leftist people tend to be. And you mm-hmm. can you know you can analyze that for why that is, but you can also just look at the fact that there isn't very many racetracks or motorsports or power sports happening of any kind in, in the middle of big cities. Uh, most of this stuff is, you know, if you, if you do live in a city or even in a suburb, a lot of times you have to drive out away from the city in order to do our thing and regardless of what it is. And that's just sort of the nature of things. And so more of the people in the cities, they, they sort of, their lives are engulfed and enshrined in, uh, activities that happen in the city that don't require a big shop and a big piece of property and, you know, a big, you know, car hauler, right. all these things that, you know, just are not possible in the city. And, and that's fine. They can do whatever they want to do, but, uh, but reaching out into the rural areas and, and outside of the city and trying to control what it is that we want to do for supposed environmental reasons that, you know, the, the data for that doesn't even hold, hold water. And, and PRI has got some really good data on, on that you know, as well. Well, it's interesting. Uh, producer Chris and I just got back from a week in, uh, New Jersey, New York. And, and I get it. If I lived there, I would probably have a similar thought process. I wouldn't want to drive. Uh, it's a pain in the butt to, uh, drive anything. And when you do your door handle to door handle with people. So if, if I live there, I might say the same thing. People need to stop driving and all, all these things. But what I don't appreciate is people who don't put themselves in anybody else's shoes. There's a great big world out there. And the fact that they don't want to leave a five square block area is not really my fault. And they don't get to govern me because of that. And that's why I think in general terms, I mean, I I don't know that anybody's gotten it any better than our founding fathers. They've given us this yeah. structure. We need to not screw it up. And, and we need more people like you that are, um, you know, giving your perspective for the people that you represent. And uh, I, I just couldn't be more excited to have uh, someone like you or, you know, um, more people. We need more people like you, Jared. That's what we need. So yeah. tell, tell us a little bit about uh, what, you know, how you go about running and, and what's next for you in terms of, you know, your campaign. 
Yeah, I will. But let me let me just respond to that, Rex. You know, the the, the left leads through fear, and you know they've obviously capitalized and monopolized fear over the last couple of years with the virus. And um, you know, again, we won't go into the efficacy of that or you know the, the realities of what it is. I will just say that there is a lot of fear. You know, yep. people are really really driven by it. Sure. And now you see them and hear them and. It's clearly obvious that they're pivoting to, uh, you know, fear around climate change. And the reality is, you know, I, and I don't know how old you are. I'm, I'm 52 years old. I've been watching and hearing uh, people complain about climate change for many, many years, <laughs> right. and you know, chant about it. And and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that we should abuse the earth. I don't live my life that way. Uh, I don't think most of us do. But that's the way they—that's the picture they paint for us. And people, I just want to warn people that they're going to—they're going to continue to try to drive their agenda through the use of fear with climate change. You know, you look at some of the natural disasters that just happened here in the last week or two, and you know they're already pivoting, saying, "Oh, well, you know, if it wasn't for all these people, you know, not getting vaccinated and all these people that are against climate change, you know, regulation and all these different things." you know, maybe these natural disasters wouldn't be happening. I mean, they're just it's lunacy, you know, <laughs> to think is. about. And so I just think we have to realize how we're being manipulated and to stand against that and to look around and, and to be bold and, and, you know, make sure we're not allowing that fear to rule our lives because, you know, we're most, I mean, if you're, if you're in the power sports or motor sports or RVing or dragging, you know, drag racing, uh, you know, circle track road course but i mean you're not driven by fear right Right. if anything you're you're running to fear and so i hope that i can encourage you know and i hope this this show encourages you know people to really challenge that fear and realize that we live in no no more dangerous world than we did you know two three years ago it's just how it's being packaged and presented so you know, as, as far as my campaign, you know, I announced in March, so I've been uh, active this full time. I, I own 10 businesses uh, to, uh, yeah, a couple of years ago, I've been selling, closing, uh, raising people up inside of those businesses to run them. And I'm down to four now with the goal of getting down to two. And I don't have anything to do with the daily operations. I'm focused 100% on, I've even we you know i've moved offices i have my own office it's just for the campaign and uh i spend my my almost every waking moment uh working on something related to the campaign either traveling around the country going to events or uh, you know like like for example going to sema and pri to meet people like you and many other people that you know i got to meet uh, roger penske and john force and john snyder and and uh you know, there's a bunch of other people that I know, obviously, that were at PRI, and and uh, everybody's everybody's concerned about this, but at the same time, everybody wants to kind of continue doing their thing and and stuff. And that that being said, what everyone needs to do is is pitch in. You know, we got to support. I'm I'm uh, almost four hundred thousand dollars into this campaign in my own money, and uh, you know, for me, this is about America. This is about liberty. And I'm not going to give up. I'm just going to keep fighting and, and uh, you know, get past all the politics and fight for what our founding fathers, you know, gave us and offered us uh, when they, when they you know, wrote up the Declaration of Independence and sent it across the ocean to, 
the king who probably laughed at their at their uh, aspirations, but somehow we won. Yeah, it's getting close to tea party time again. Uh, not that uh, specific thing, but yeah, that uh, that type of stuff, the taxes and all that. And I can I can only imagine, yeah. Jared, you you coming, you know, you came to Indianapolis, you're flying back, you you uh, go back home, your family says, "Hey, who'd you meet?" And you go, "Rex Simmermaker." That's who I met. And I also <laughs> met these other guys named John Force and Roger Pins. But you probably, you know, Rex is the guy. I'm I'm sure that's exactly yeah. how that conversation oh, yeah. went, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the other thing I think I, I always have to laugh because when when people start giving me this climate change stuff, I, I go, well, you know that Obama bought property right on the ocean. Right. I mean, he that's what he yeah. he left office after claiming that climate change was going to swallow up half our ocean front uh, and then bought property. So if he was, you know, backing up what he said he was going to do. What he's saying is, I'm buying property that's going to go away in three years, which clearly he's not doing that. So uh, the yeah. whole uh, well, when you're using uh, when you're using other people's money, it doesn't really matter what you buy, right? I mean, how do you you know? Obama was was had a net worth of probably you know less than five million dollars when he was elected as president, and somehow he comes out being worth over a hundred million you know, and probably more. So, you know, you contrast that to uh, President Trump going in office, being worth uh, close to $5 billion and coming out, you know, almost $2 billion less. You know, so who's really fighting for America? Right. You know, who's fighting for themselves? And, and I just think people got to wake up and realize that, uh, you know, this is our lives and our lives are being stolen day by day here with all these restrictions and, you know, everything that's going on. And somehow we've allowed two years to pass by uh, accepting this, you know, frankly, communism, just our authoritarian, you know, it's just terrible, you know, what, what we're facing. So spoken like a man after my own heart, Jared, that's, uh, that's exactly. Um, and, and I try not to preach about that stuff, but because we love our sport, we, we have to, we we have to get organized and we have to fight back. I mean, uh, uh, not not physically, but from an organizational standpoint. And I know you've yeah. done that. PRI is doing that, and you you will be a big big part of that. So from our listeners' standpoint, if they want to support you, they want to follow you, they just want to uh, cheer you on. How do they get a hold of you? And and what's you know what's the best way for them? Because you're in Washington State, um, obviously. All of our listeners are not in Washington State, so so how do they support you? Where do they where do they follow you? Yeah, so let me give you a little backdrop first, if we have a minute. Sure. So first of all, I agree with it. You know, people need to engage, and I appreciate everybody listening who's still on here because you're at least at least taking it in, and and that's good. So every state has uh, state legislators. They they might have you know a hundred or whatever, might have more or less, whatever it depends on the state. Uh, of state legislators. Then there's the congressional folks. So there's a total of 435 of those uh, that, that make up the House uh, in Congress. And then there's, there's 100 senators as well. So 535 total, that's where it comes from. It doesn't really matter what state the representatives or the senators come from, because ultimately they're running the country. They're the, they're the legislative arm or branch of the U.S. government. And so they're the ones who establish the laws and set the direction and manage the checkbook and, and all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, you want to have good people that are there. And, and that's, I say that as a preface 
preface to ask for help. Um, you know, we have over 100 volunteers. We have 11 staff uh, so far in our campaign, but we need about 300 volunteers. And those people don't have to be in Washington state. We have a ton of things that people can do outside of the state. Uh, you know, just for example, we need people to help us with getting endorsements and just talking to people who agree with us and getting to know who Jared Sessler is and what does he stand for and getting, you know, getting those endorsements or helping with social media. You know, obviously there's a, a massive swath of people that are uh, listening to shows like this or, you know, are on various social channels and I can't run all those. I mean, it's just too much. And so we need help with that. You know, there's lots of things that people can do to get involved and that's what we need to do. And obviously the easy thing is writing a check for 50 bucks or a hundred bucks and sending it to my campaign or, you know, going online and making a donation and, and everybody should do that. Uh, but there's also other ways that people can get involved. So, uh, so that's kind of a, a little bit of backdrop with a little bit of a call to action for, you know, what people can do. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. Uh, and the reality is if we don't, um, we won't have a sport to give to our grandkids. Uh, we just won't. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think, yeah, people need to really hear that, you know, and the reality of it is at our necks, and, and I don't think people really get it. And they also are not armed with the data to be able to defend it because they kind of think, oh, yeah, well, that I know that race car really takes a lot of fuel. It's like, you know, uh, when I was at PRI, I heard a statistic that was, was really pointed. If you If you total up all of the airline flights just domestically, for one week, the amount of fuel and oil that they use, that is equal to how much fuel and oil we use in the racing industry for an entire year. Right. Love it. You know, and so it's like, okay, all right, so maybe we aren't having as big of an impact on the society or on, on our, our earth here as, as what the left, the left wants us to believe. And so it's those kinds of facts and that sort of reality. Beyond that, you know, look at the division that's happened over those last couple of years. We had all these lockdowns and you're essentially pulling people apart. I've said for 20 plus years that every step forward in technology draws us apart as people. And I think God wants us to be close as people. I think he wants us to relate and have buddies and rub shoulders and, and do stuff together. And guess what? That's what happens at the racetrack. You know, that's where, that's where you learn. That's where you face challenges. That's where you face defeat. That's where you get an opportunity to win. That's where life happens. Life is not happening when you're just staring at a screen. You got to get out. I remember this Honda commercial from like 10, 15 years ago where it was like a motorcycle commercial. It was kind of like uh, at the towards the end of the school year. And it was basically basically the whole commercial showed, you know, quads and dirt bikes and all this stuff. And, mm-hmm. and at the end of it, it was like, get off your couch. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, and, and so it's like, this is what we do. You know, it's like, yeah, we believe in God and we, we, uh, you know, we live our lives and we have a family and we go do family events and parties and weddings and receptions and all these different things. And we go out for fancy dinners and we do stuff, but you know, motorsports and racing. And for a lot of us, that's what we do. That's what we do on the weekends, probably 25, 30 weekends out of a year. We're at the racetrack and, and what's wrong with that? You know, we're not, you know, we're not hurting anyone. In fact, my, I guess my point with this is, is socially, we have a problem in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to point to guns because they're the problem or whatever. It's like, really? Well, we had, we had automatic weapons back in the Revolutionary War, you know, 
And so, or the Civil War is really when, when, the, when they were automated, and there hasn't been a lot of improvement since then. So what's the difference between, you know, a, a bullet that was created around the Civil War era towards, toward, you know, now, you know, 150 years later or whatever? It's like, well, the difference is the society around the people. It's not the guns or the bullets. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, people think, oh, we're going to win the house back in 22. We are, and I'm going to be a part of that. But it doesn't mean all these people that are trying to destroy our lives are going to go away. They're still going to be there, and we have to stand up against it. And let me just make this point, Rex, because this is really, really important. Liberty is not free. Liberty comes at a price, and that price has been paid by the people that came before us. Furthermore, liberty is not natural because our world is full of evil. Mm -hmm. If there was a propensity in this world, it is definitely not good. It's evil. And so when you want to enjoy liberty, you have to fight against a natural propensity within the world, which is evil. And how do we do that? Well, we certainly don't do that by giving in to the leftists and and aligning with their evil nature. We stand up for what has been bought and paid for for us, which is our liberty. And we have to start to realize we've had it very we've had it very easy. We've got to start to realize that we need to start making investments in that liberty. And that's going to cost us. I, I don't disagree at all. I think you're absolutely right. And I like the fact that you're fighting um, for that and for all of us. And truthfully, you're talking to a very educated uh, listenership um, because I have spent the last three years giving educational facts about the disingenuousness of climate change. And so we, the fact that you brought on another fact um, that we can use when the, you know, the EPA types come after us, I absolutely love. And I just want you to keep fighting. And so I want all our listeners to help with that fight. So what's the best way they can reach you, Jared, or reach your uh, campaign? So it's just jaredsessler.com, J-E-R-R-O-D, S as in Sam, E-S-S-L-E-R, jaredsessler.com. That's S as in Sam. There's three of them in the last name. Yep. Uh, my, you can also go to jaredforcongress.com. It's the same website. Uh, you can reach me through that, and there's emails in there. I'm very accessible. Uh, there's a ton of social media channels that um, if people message me, my team does get me the messages. So uh, if people want to message me directly, they certainly can. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, start with a donation. You know, I do the same thing when I'm out. You know, I'm looking for support from other organizations or, you know, uh, different things. I want to. I want to support them. I want to show that I agree with what they're doing. And so, uh, if this site matters to you, then then get engaged and uh, you know throw a donation my way. And uh, you know, I promise that I'll I'll fight with everything in me to to make sure that we win this fight and we preserve our not just our ability to to drive race cars and to be in, involved in this whole industry, but that we have the ability to even have free speech and carry guns and and be uh, free Americans. Uh, that's what I'm fighting for. And I plan to be incredibly vocal about that. Uh, I'm not going to be one of these, uh, you know, platform politicians that just goes to DC and, you know, walks around with a nice little smile on his face. I'm going to be vocal. I've already been successful. I don't really need to go to DC. I don't, uh, I don't need the money necessarily. I have a happy life where, where I'm at, but I want to go there and fight for America. So I appreciate the help. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Um, guys, I'll link that um, on our social media as well so you can check it out. But, uh, but go help Jared the best you can. And, you know, because we need we need everybody in our corner. We, we you know, we've talked about that a little bit more on the show. But uh, the fact that we need to organize and, and Jared Sessler is leading the way. He's a he's a future U.S. congressman from the state of Washington. And we could not be happier to have you on, Jared. Thank you so much and appreciate your time, brother, and good luck. Thanks, Rex. Today's half-track report is brought to you by dragracelawyer.com. You know it is. It's always brought to you by dragracelawyer.com. If you need a high-horsepower attorney over these holidays, please do not hesitate to reach out and talk with Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com for all your high horsepower legal needs. Guys, girls, the only real action to report that is remotely close to our classes in the past weeks was the Snowbird Nationals held at Bradenton Motorsports Park over that first week in December and give some big props to Melanie Salami who won that event there were it was a pro mod event. There were 50 pro mods that staged up. It was 50 grand to win. The pole position was a 361, and the bump spot for a 32 car field was a 371. So you can make the argument that that might be the best ever pro mod race in history from a purely competition standpoint. Um, you have a whole field. 32 cars, not 16, 32 cars separated by a tenth, not in the quarter mile, in the eighth mile. So in that standpoint, from a competition standpoint, um, you can make the argument. I, I don't know, but come on, man. That was an amazing event and just so good, so good down there. So give it up. Congrats to Melanie Salami for winning that event. Maybe the best ever. Uh, but you know, that, that was a great, great way to finish up the year. So I don't know if that event can be topped next year or at least to start next year, but it was a great way to end the year. So congrats to Melanie Salami and all of those who competed and were part of that unbelievable group, that 32 car field down in Bradenton. Let's get out of the groove for just one second here and bring on a guy who I was lucky enough to meet at PRI this past week. Excited to have you on or have him on with us today. Uh, just given the fact that we're coming up here on the uh, you know the winter season, we've got things to do, and he is the man to help us with all of that. Please welcome to the show from JR's RV Repair. J.R. Snow. J.R., how are, you? how are you today, my man? Good. I'm enjoying this pretty weather that we're actually having today. It's not freezing here. Right. Yeah, it's unusually warm, I think, for December. At least it here is here in Indiana, and I think it is where you're at as well in Conover, North Carolina. Is that right? Correct. Yep. Um, yeah, we're in the, we're, we're actually in the high 60s today. It's really nice. Um, and, uh, 
been outside moving a bunch of these trucks and trailers around trying to get all this stuff serviced up for everybody over the winter right? Um, so they can get ready to go racing for the for the spring it's that time of year right i'm guessing this is the busiest time of year because uh you know we beat our stuff up all summer long and go ah we'll get through it we'll get through it and then when the winter time comes it's time to get it all clean and and working properly again correct yeah um so a lot of guys or a lot of racers gals whatever you know they uh their motorhome or their coach or their stacker or whatever is a tool for them and you know if if it can get them by for the next two or three races then that's what they're going to do they're going to they're going to rock and roll and then over the winter they bring me a box of parts uh, that's that they've had issues with and a a list because i i tell everybody i said look i keep so many of these things going in and out you make me a list you put it on the dinette and i can check it off as i go and that way when we get to when we get the truck, I can fix everything you got a problem with, and we're not missing anything because I can't keep up with all of it. Yeah, you've uh, you, yeah. So let's let's talk about that. I mean, your business is incredibly busy for you right now, but but how did all this start? I mean, how did you get into the uh, RV and specifically the drag racing RV repair business? So. <clears throat> My dad, for my whole life, was a, a ASE master tech. So, like, he built me my first shop. We, I was, I was born in North Carolina, but I was raised in Florida. He built me my first shop when I was, you know, it was his shop, but it was mine. Um, when I was a kid, he worked in construction for a while, and so him and the guys would hang out on the weekend, and like, I did oil changes and brake jobs on their pickup trucks and stuff. So I've always been a mechanic. I'm talking, you know he said I could read fractions before I could read books. So (laughs) I've always been mechanical and, um, he built me my first shop down in Florida and it was like a, you know, like a 60 by a hundred and we'd just put stuff in the bays and do what we needed to do. And he worked on their stuff too. Um, so fast forward, um, you know, 20, something years um i get out of school and i take my first job as a mechanic and i if you're working on a souping up your car or working on your car you know it's okay but doing the day-to-day everyday mechanical stuff is just i realized it wasn't for me on cars um so went through a couple of jobs you know fresh out of high school and uh landed a job with a pretty decent size company in the truck conversion and trailer market. And, and he and I are, uh, <clears throat> we're still friends to today. Um, a matter of fact, I got to go see him today and, uh, kind of worked at his shop and, and learned the ins and outs. And he helped me a ton. Um, you know, he, he, he taught me the truck conversions and the stackers and the lift gates. And, and I spent, thousands of minutes and hours on the phone with tech support and and chat at show hauler i i mainly work on truck conversions so your show hauler nrc renegade uh hallmark uh wildside 5150 stuff like that and then in the trailer side a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. um but i spent thousands of hours on the phone with like those guys and and they over the years, you know, you learn how to do stuff. So uh, 90% of it, somebody can some can call me now and they say, hey, I'm having this problem. 
you ever seen it? I'm like, yeah, do this, this, this. Um, let me know what happens. And, and nine times out of ten, it'll fix it when you're around something for that long. So I worked at that shop for about 12 years. Um, they were top sportsman, top dragster racers. And I basically crewed um, both of those cars for those 10, 12 years. And I met all the NHRA guys, um, the Division Two NHRA, the the national event guys. Um, then we ran we ran a little bit of IHRA there at the you know in oh eight oh nine um, and went to the World Finals. Um, so I met some a lot of those guys, which NHRA guys and IHRA guys are about the you know they're about the same people sure. um, for the most part. Um, and then PDRA come about. We run some ADRL, and then PDRA come about. And so really kind of hit PDRA hard because it was, you know, it was fun. It was fast. It was eighth mile. There was less maintenance on the nitrous cars. Um, and uh, about four or five years ago, I was scared to death, but I decided it was kind of time for a change and uh, talked to my wife Um she and I have been together for a long time, since like 11th grade in high school, so we're going on 24 years now. Um, and uh, she said, you know, you can do it. Just uh, do do what you need to. And um, so I did. I, I, I broke out, and I went on my own, and it scared me to death. And uh, <laughs> yeah. But here I am. You know, I, uh, I've got some really, really good friends in the racing industry that promote my name. And and the reason the name of the business is JR's RV Repair is because I'm not very uh, creative, and uh, so I was like, "What do I name this thing?" And I'm like, "When I'm at the track, everybody, you know, you're riding around on your scooter or golf cart or whatever, and everybody's yelling, hey, JR, hey, hey,' you know." And so I was like, "Man, everybody knows me, you know. I'm a junior. I was named after my dad, so everybody's like." You know, there there goes Jr. He's your he's your RV guy. He's hold your on. generator guy. Hold, whatever. So hold on, wait a second. You're you're not you're not Jr. Junior. You're just you're just J. You're Junior, and you go by Jr. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. I, I, I am a junior. My real name. I was named after my dad. Okay, you don't have so, to say it. I just want to make sure it wasn't Jr. Junior. I was gonna uh, I was gonna have my mind blown if that was the case. I mean, I, I, I no, my real name is not Junior. Okay. But I go by Jr. I got gotcha. you. So that uh, makes perfect sense. That makes perfect could, sense. Could be the same person, but if it's bad, then no, it's not me. No, <laughs> no, it's not bad. I just uh, that caught me off guard and kind of struck me as funny. So I had to, I had to stop you there. But uh, no, that's that's yeah. perfectly good. Yeah. And listen, from a guy no, who has I've last name as Simmermaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've always been a, I, I've always been a junior. You know, I was named after my dad, but but I've always gone by Jr. I got um, you. Yeah. So um, that was the easy thing for me to. You know, I fought with it for a little while. I was like, it's not very creative, but that's that's how everybody knows me. You yeah, know, so yeah, yep. it was just easy. I didn't want to come up with a a crazy name, and everybody's like, who's that? Well, <laughs> everybody knows <clears throat> when I'm at the track, and they see me, they're like, oh yeah. They, they, there's your generator guy or your RV guy, and and his name is Jr. So yeah, that makes um, perfect sense. That's that's kind of how I did it. I started out mobile, <clears throat> my truck and a trailer, and and then I got a shop about two years ago, and um, it's it has been nonstop. It's just you get 
you your phone might not ring one day, but you might get 20 phone calls the next day. Right. You know, I've got um, I've got probably four or five trucks in the parking lot here, truck conversions, and I've got like four or five stackers and two or three single car trailers. And whether they're getting worked on or whether they're for sale, I do a lot of consignment stuff for my customers because hmm. in drag racing, 90% of these guys are independent business owners and they, they deal with the public all day, every day. They don't want to deal with it on the side. They just, you know, they say, Hey, you know, take my truck, go do whatever it needs to make it right and sell it. This is what I want. So you either find them what they want and, and sell their stuff and get, they move up or, or they're getting out or, or whatever. So I've, this year I've done a lot of consignment and a lot of sales. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, interesting. And, uh, but it's good to hear that actually, because, you know, there is this thought that, that, you know, the, the sport is struggling in some way, but I mean, people are, are moving around and, and, uh, swapping rigs and all that stuff, just kind of like, per normal right yeah um so i i was like <clears throat> when all this pandemic stuff hit uh i actually was at the gator nationals i had a customer have a generator go down so i told my wife i said hey i need to leave town and so i went to florida gainesville last um uh, was february march yep. and i'm down there and the governor shuts the state down and, you know, all the pro teams, they're packing all their stuff up and leaving. I was like, oh, Lord, I just, <laughs> you know, started this business and everything's going to tank. It it was the exact opposite. You know, I did my deal there. They let the sportsman run out. So I pulled a generator out at the track, rebuilt the whole generator end of it, had the track bring a forklift over, set it back in for me, and 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 they were good to go. Um, and... I was afraid to death that it was going to kind of shut everything down. And it was like the phone just, I got four phone calls before I left the track. Hey, on your way home, stop by and see me. Hey, on your way home, stop by and see me. So I just made a detour and like I was gone for a week just working on stuff on the road. And then it was like, everyone said, well, we don't know when we're going to start racing again. So let me bring you my stuff. I forgot to bring it over the winter. So let's get all this done and it was like it just kind of started rolling and rolling and rolling. And <clears throat> I've got 10 or 12 people on a list on a on a whiteboard in the shop. And I just, as I can, you know, get to them, I check them off or I bring them in next or, or whatever because I, I just can't, I can't keep up with the demand. We're, there's only two of us here. It's my brother and I, and uh, I hired him full-time this year, and he's still learning, so it's, but I, anything that I, he asked me if he has any questions whatsoever, he's being family. We're really close. Yeah. Um, my business is in his best interest. He, it's not like I hired somebody off the street that could care less. Right. He knows that the name means everything mm-hmm. because in the small community of drag racing, <clears throat> somebody has something bad to say, then 50 people hear it. Right. And so you know, he really worries about that. So it's good for both of us that we, we kind of do the same thing. You know, we won't let anything leave here that we wouldn't put our families in and take across the country. I love it. Yeah. That's, that's a good part. And speaking of that, um, 
you know, you've, you've been in the business a long time. You've seen a lot of these trucks, these rigs. So what's the number one thing that maybe gets overlooked in the wintertime, which really we all need to, you know, uh, make sure we check out so that we don't get stranded making that cross-country trek in the summertime? Um, so I'm a kind of a stickler for tires. I won't run steer tires more than four years. Mm-hmm. The back tires on a coach, because they're so heavy on the front. So every four years you got to get, you know, I'm a set of steer tires. Um, <clears throat> you can run the backs eight years, ten years, as long as they're dry, not dry, rotted, or weather cracked. Um, I'll tell you what gets most people is generator issues. Mm. And um, when when I traveled with the other company I worked for, I carried a fuel pump. I carried fuel filters. I carried computer an, a spare computer board because if you lose the generator and you don't have one in the trailer and you don't carry a spare carry a spare gas generator in the trailer, you have nothing. You have no ACs. Mm-hmm. You have no battery chargers. You have no race car battery chargers. You have no air compressor in the trailer. You have nothing. So, you know, nine times out of ten, the generators will let you down more than the trucks will. And there's inherent issues with all of them, with all the manufacturers. So it's more generator maintenance than anything. About every four to 5,000 hours, they need to come out and be gone through. Not saying it won't break down in between, but, you know, it's it's a little bitty small diesel motor. Those things, they you know, they don't hold a ton of oil. Um, You got to surface them every 200 hours or so, especially if you're in a dirty environment. You know, you'll see some of them guys will go 700, 800, 1,000 hours without changing the oil in them. I mean, that'd be like running your car <laughs> right. 30, 40,000 miles without getting an oil change. Right. You know, and, and they don't think of it that way. Well, it's hard sometimes because, you, you know, you, you pull into a place, you turn that generator on, and it, it doesn't really get turned off until you get back home. And, you know, that it does rack up a lot of hours. I mean, that, that's, you know could be easily be a hundred hours over a, a weekend or whatever it might be. And that, that wouldn't even be stretching yeah. it. So uh, I think it is easy to overlook and that's a great point. That's a great point in uh, generator, um, you know, just, just maintenance, I think. And it, and with all the other stuff we have going on with the cars and all that other stuff, it, it's so easy to overlook that. And yet yeah. when it does, it creates the biggest problems. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you don't think of it this way, but a lot of these guys or a lot of racers, when that trailer gets unplugged from the shop, the generator starts, it's running all the way down the road. It's running right. all weekend or at PDRA all week, NHRA all week. There's 24 hours in a day, every mm-hmm. 10 days of running, that thing needs to be serviced, Yeah, you know, and it's, you're like, well, I've only been to two or three races. Yeah. But when you're at a race for four or five days, you don't, think of it like that because it's out of sight out of mind yeah <clears throat> but like you said you can easily rack up 100 150 hours a weekend on a generator well um, and i i've been there these, I've, I've been there where my generator that, broke down and it's no good and i didn't like borrowing you yeah. know helping but you know part of it but live and learn i think and yeah exactly and, and these things are pretty strong you know i've seen i've seen the little the onans with 15, 16,000 hours on them. 
you know, and, and they still run strong. But it's all about the maintenance. It's just like your race car. Mm-hmm. You know, if you break a valve spring, you're like, ah, I meant to check those valve springs this morning. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one of those things. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, now, uh, that's a great point, and I appreciate you, you know, uh, making making a point of that because it is something as we're going through our winter checklist, um, we have to do. And, you know, we'll definitely put that on there. And, you know, uh, for anything else, uh, JR, I mean, if our listeners are out there and they're like, hey, I've been meaning to do this and, you know, uh, maybe that we can get on your schedule. What's what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Call me. Um, I, I, I've got an email and everything, um, but it's that's more for my parts orders. Um my email is uh, jr.rvrepair at yahoo.com, but I really don't use it a ton other than the business side. I don't use it for customers. Call me or text me, 828-446-8552. I've had the same phone number for 20-plus years, um, but it's, it's, I got to keep it wrote down because I just can't, I can't keep up with it. Um, like I said, two guys here. Uh, to try to keep everything else going. Um, and right now we're probably into, we're probably into February before I can, I'll bring anything new in. Yeah. That's um, great. That's great though. I mean, that's you know, good for business and that means you're doing it's a blessing well. And it's a curse. You know, it's a blessing and it's a curse. You know, I've got trucks that the only thing that we sub out in this shop is paint work engine work, transmission work, any, if it has to do with the chassis of the truck itself, then I've got a couple of really good mechanics. I've got a, a customer who's a really good friend of mine. Um, they own a truck and company. He does some of my service work if it's big stuff. Um, so it goes to them. If not, it goes to some local guys to get the in, the oil changed or mm-hmm. transmission service, rear end service, whatever, and brakes. I don't do the mechanical side of the truck here. Um, but like, trailer brakes i do all my own trailer brakes here and that's another maintenance thing is once at least once a year you need to have the wheels off of that trailer you need to check the brakes you need to Mm -hmm. check the bearings you need the races i mean you you see a lot of guys on the side of the road they've lost a hub and a drum and a wheel and a tire and you don't know where that thing's gone or who it's hit and and it's because they got busy over the winter and they just didn't pull the wheels off of it and it killed a bearing and you know I used to be able to get an axle in two weeks. It took me 14 weeks to get the last axle I just ordered. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you're talking about instead of being down for two weeks and missing maybe one race, you're talking, you know, three and a half months. Um, yeah, and if we can check so, that now, then we can avoid all that, right? Absolutely. You know, if, if you got the trailer sitting there on, on blocks or jack stands, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that can be seen, and it's, it's just like a race car, man. I mean, you know, you you got to check the brakes, you got to check the bearings. You wouldn't go make a pass in a pro nitrous car if it didn't have, you know, if if the brake pads were worn down or it had a cracked rotor, um, you know. So why are you going to put your two hundred fifty, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollar cars in a trailer and pull it down the road behind your motor behind your coach, when you know, yeah. without knowing what you're pulling? No, it's great. That's great stuff. And uh, guys, girls, you you heard him. He gave you his phone number. It's 
Yep. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. It was very nice to meet you at PRI, and I appreciate the opportunity to get out there. Yeah, no, no doubt. Um, great stuff uh, from uh, from the great J.R. Snow. As we hit the mile per hour cone, I just want to take this opportunity to say there is no episode next week. We're going to give producer Chris the week of Christmas and New Year's off. But let's thank him for doing such a great job all year long for helping us make this show what it is. Like, Go on the Facebook site and thank producer Chris for keeping this show alive. I think he would love it. I think he would love it if we just said thank you. Um, because you know all the hard work he's done over the last year because I promise you without him the show would have stalled considerably he probably would also like it if someone picked up and bought him a fast brackets nation t-shirt if someone wants to buy that for him I'm sure he would like one of those he you know sees those out there and he does such a great job with all of that um, but thank you producer Chris for doing what you do and then there is this. I'm going to open this up, and I don't know if this is going to backfire on me or not, but I need some suggestions. While you have time over the holiday season, I think it's time to bring out a new theme song. Gloria has potentially run her course. That song, and if you go back to episode number nine to hear the introduction of that, was to remind us to keep going and to believe in ourselves like the St. Louis Blues did on their way to the Stanley Cup victory. Uh, But I think we need something new now along the lines of enjoy every day. Uh, Not so much uh, keep going and inspire, but enjoy every day. Tomorrow is promised to no one. And the fact that we get to go racing or at least enjoy drag racing in some capacity is something we should celebrate before we get too old to enjoy it. Uh, So, um, and you know, I don't do this often, but I am opening up the lines for suggestions on a new theme song, preferably to debut at the first of the year. So let me know what you think, and maybe I will use that. Tread lightly, but uh, I would love it if we got some theme song recommendations to start the new year. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's uh, take a stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 90. And there it is. There's the wind light and maybe for the last time, the sweet, sweet sounds of Gloria. That a kid. Way to go, producer Chris. Guys, girls, we had a great week this week. We had a great week last week at the PRI event in the live show. That was fantastic. Um, Just a reminder, this is your last chance at the OG Fast Brackets Nation gear. 
for those who are in the know and uh, for sale, get it before Christmas. Uh, but this week, we just had such a great time because we had two incredible guests on. First of all, Jared Sessler, really a true American running for Congress. Please go support him as he is working hard to support us. And then also J.R. Snow, J.R.'s RV Repair, gave us some helpful tips so we don't have issues next summer. Guys, girls, if you have comments, questions, or curse words, you know there are three ways to get at me. First of all, it's on the Facebook page using the Messenger. Secondly, you can catch me trying to finalize the Christmas gift list for the fam. And you can use the email, fastbrackets at outlook.com. Guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Have a, the whole year. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. Great trip up to Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Uh, it's a good time at uh, PRI, uh, had by all. Uh, maybe the turnout wasn't quite as big as, as in the past, but uh, I think I took advantage of uh, that just to, to get my eyes and ears on as much as I possibly could. It was a good time. Man, if you if that's your first time at PRI, it, it actually probably helps just a little bit that it was a little tamer. I don't know if... I don't know if tame is the right word, but uh, but at 85% of what it normally is, I mean, I think that probably helps just a little bit. I mean, a uh, lot to lot to take in, right? So, yeah, it, it I kind of likened it to a lot of forest, a lot of trees, and uh, all the little details. Um, it took a couple of days before they started to show up. Um, we had a good time though. It was a, it was a good party. It's uh, great to see that the racing community is hard at it and, uh, keeping up with things. Nobody seemed uh, shy about COVID or, or anything there. And, and that, uh, everybody's looking forward to 2022. That's for sure. Yeah. A lot of business, uh, mixed in some pleasure. Uh, certainly some, uh, livers were damaged over the weekend and, you know, rightfully so when you're back with, with friends, right? Rightfully so. It was a good time. Hey, this is producer Chris. We just want to say a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the Fast Brackets Nation. Thanks for making it a great 2021. Today's episode was brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, 
deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks, complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products.